Now, Rock Talk with Mitch Lafon. We are speaking with the one and only Kofi Baker and Will Johns. They will be touring, performing Disraeli Gears and Clapton Classics in full. Mm-hmm. And, and coming to Montreal in June of 2022. So I'm looking forward to that because, uh, hey, we'll come out and say hello and, yeah. and, and hang out and listen to some great music. It'll be cold, though. Not in June. Oh, in June, June. It'll, in oh. June, it'll be 30. <laughs> it will? Oh, okay. Well, at least it'll be slightly below freezing. Kofi, <laughs> why are you wearing a stethoscope? <laughs> because I'm, my real name is Steph. Uh, now, where, where, I'm in Montreal. Where are you both located? Uh, Kofi, where are you located that you're so concerned about cold? I mean, it was 12 degrees Celsius here today, so it's not that bad for November. I don't know what Celsius is because I'm American. Uh, the 12 is like, what, 64, 65? I mean, that's not so bad for November. No, you're talking that's about good. centigrade, Kofi. You got it, Max. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I'm American now. I've I've been in America too long, so you know. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 in the sixties. It was in the sixties today. That's not so bad. We we can survive. Um, good day. I Is think it fifties or forties here? I'm in Chicago. Oh no, yeah, yeah. You were worse than us today. Yeah. So I don't know. can't complain. Um, let me ask you first of all. You can't complain. I can, and I will. <laughs> Well, I think it's a family trait, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, let me quickly ask you, how did you two guys hook up? Because, you know, you've got uh, Ginger Baker's son, you've got Andy Johns' son. How do you two sort of meet? Was it part of your dad was recording with Andy or something, and then you were hanging out in the, in, in the lobby? How did you guys meet? Well, you know what? Uh, I actually, I went to McDonald's through the drive-thru and um, <laughs> I, I bought myself, um, uh, a, I think you call it a, a Le Royale with cheese. And I, I only had about two bites of it. And I was like, <laughs> I had something like stuck in my teeth. And I was like, what is this anyway so i opened up the bag wrapper and there inside in my half-eaten cheeseburger underneath the cheese in between the cheese and the meat was kofi and i was so surprised i mean you couldn't (laughs) even write this stuff mitch you know what i mean um and anyway i didn't think much of it i you know just kind of screwed it up and threw it in the trash but then on the next day I had some breakfast cereal. I think it was Fruit Loops, something like that. And you know, every now and again, you get a little toy, little prize. You do. I was pouring out the breakfast cereal. And I mean, blow me down. If there wasn't a little Kofi in a little, (laughs) another little wrapper, and I just opened it up and there he was. Look at that. Kofi has abandoned this. He doesn't like your story. He left us. Um, I, I do want to ask you this, uh, Wills. Whenever I get a press release about this, it always says, well, you're Eric Clapton's nephew, you're Eric Clapton's nephew. But I look at it and I go, that's Andy John's son. I mean, to me, that's more exciting. I mean, no offense to, to Eric, but how come you don't play up that part? I mean, your 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 dad was a seminal producer. I mean, he's up there with Mutt Lang and 
and Bob Ezrin and, and Bob, I mean, he, he was the shit. I mean, let's be honest. No offense on the language, but he was the real deal. Hey, you don't have to worry about the language with me at yeah. all, ever. Um, yeah, that's the true. He was the shit. And, yes, um, he was. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. You know, he produced more amazing albums um, and, um, you know, and, and, and worked on so many different things. Yeah. You know, it's it's incredible. But um, I don't know. I'm not one to butter my own crumpet or or or, or try and ride on the coattails of others. You know, I right. mean, really, it's the uh, it's the guys who are trying to sell shows and sell tickets. Poke tails all the time. <laughs> yeah. So your your coat. No, but it's it, it's anyway. To me, it's I just find that fascinating because. Uh, a lot of the albums that I grew up listening to, your dad had a hand in, and I'm just like, wow. Um, has production interested you? Yeah, in my own way. You know, I've done um, I've done about six albums myself. Right. Um, I'm not particularly technically minded myself, or you know, so when I take the producer's chair, I tend to have engineers and uh, kind of lord it up. Um, in a more sort of directorial position. Um, so, um, yeah, but no, for me, it's all about performance. You know, gotcha. I was born a show off and, uh, you know, I went to acting school. I did BTEC in performing arts. So, uh, you know, that, in, that included ballet, dance, contemporary dance, acting techniques, stage techniques. So it's all a bit about performance for me. Yeah. Well, let's, let's uh, let me quickly get to, to Kofi for here for a second. Uh, Kofi, talk to me about uh, Disraeli Gears and and doing this sort of 50th anniversary tour with Wills. And you're, you're going to do the whole album, which is uh, quite, uh, well, it's actually great. Uh, talk to me about putting this together and, 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 paying homage to to what your father did well i mean it's just it's the best thing to do for my dad right now i mean i promised him on his deathbed that i would keep his legacy going and um i am um and that's just uh, one of the albums they did it was kind of uh one of their great albums i suppose i mean i did you know i heard this stuff as a kid obviously he's playing when i was you know really young i remember it i remember um singing some of the songs and stuff like that. So it's great to be able to do this stuff. Um, it's just it's just great music. So I think it should be put out there because there's nothing like it anymore. I mean, that those those kind of albums back in those days were changing people's lives. I mean, nowadays, the only way they change people's life is putting put on a concert and stamping on people. But, um, yeah, that, that situation in, in uh, Texas is... Exceptionally unfortunate. Exceptionally. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, that's the thing. I mean, live music is great. I mean, it's really the best thing to do now. Selling CDs is not really viable anymore. Right. It's all about live, which I think is great because it it means you know musicians can actually actually you know play and and get out there and do it and and it's a great thing. That's all I can say. Now, the last time we spoke, you you were not uh, overly warm towards your father, if I can put it that way. You were you were sort of a 
weren't happy with some of the things he's, you, that he was doing and had said uh, with his passing well, last, has have you resolved some of that i mean is it is it yeah i mean the last 10 years of his life is the worst 10 years for me right when he got married to the kutsi uh, woman mm -hmm. um that was the end she stopped us she kind of took over my dad and the whole family i mean you've got to realize that his entire family was kind of cut off from him right when he did that you know and it was really bad. I mean, I tried to call my dad and she would just answer the phone, scream at me, and I wouldn't even get to talk to my dad. So, and nasty emails and all kinds of, it just went really nasty. So I wasn't very happy with him. I didn't know it wasn't him, it was her. Right. I mean, I just thought it was, he was being an asshole, but it was all down to her because when I saw him in the hospital, he was really nice to me and really nice. And it was just like, here's my dad, you know? I mean, so, it's good to hear. I mean, it's just it's just so sad that these these people, you know, come into people's life at the end and take over their life and kick them away from their family. Mm -hmm. And this, it was just so sad what she did. And I can't believe that I still I want my dad's drums to play at some of these shows. But my dad's snare drum, his leady snare drum, he played through Cream. He gave to me when I was about five or six, and I was playing it all the time and. Then, you know, he, he started, he, he took a break from drums in the early 70s after Cream and all that kind of, he went to Africa and he kind of took a break. And I had his drums and um, I was having a great time. And then he came back and he was like, you've got my lady snare drum. I go, well, you gave it to me. He goes, well, I'm going to take it back. I'll give it to you at the end. You know, when I die, this will all be yours. And I'm like, you know, what, the curtains? That's a Monty Python schedule. But, um, so... I, you know, I was like, when he, when he died, when he was in the hospital, he said to me, yeah, your dad wants you to have his drums. I'm like, yeah, I know, you know, we were actually going to arrange to pick him up and play him on one of the gigs we did, you know, when he died, because I was on the road in England when he right. died. Um, and she just, something happened and she pissed off my entire family. And I had a choice at that point to go to my dad's funeral which I knew nobody of, or to go with my family who were having a, all, all my family were getting together, my dad's sister, all my cousins, my sisters, everybody were getting together at their house because they were banned from the funeral. Um, so it was like, I was two hours away from the funeral and two hours away from my uh, family. And I was like, well, it's really a no brainer. I've got to go spend the time with my family. Uh, I don't know any of these, people that the last 10 years of my life that my dad had around. And so, you know, and the only person I would have known was in a box dead. So I, I went to spend the you know, time with my family. So, um, so the last time, last bit with my dad was really good. I realized it wasn't my dad. I realized it was the people he got in with on the last 10 years of his life were just bad influence and just turned him against all of us. So, that was really, I'm still looking for my dad's drums. So if anybody, if they locate them anywhere, <laughs> if the snare drum comes up, please let me know because I would like to at least see it for the last time. And I think it should be donated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's where that stuff should be. Yeah. I mean, that snare drum is, is older than me. It's like, you know, really old, 60 years old. It should be in the museum where everybody can see it. So. Yeah. You know, anybody out there come across that leady black snare drum of my dad's, 
you know, let send me know, over. please. Send, send, come yeah. out to one of the shows. Now, the shows start uh, April 6th in Lakeland, Florida. In my part of the world, June 11th, you'll be at the Bronson Center in Ottawa, June 12th at the Nationale in Montreal. And, of course, you're going to invite me to both shows. I just know it. So I'll be, be looking forward to that. Um, Will, talk to me about uh, your uncle and following his lead because the story told is you were 15 and he said hey will you should be playing guitar did he did he actually give you lessons or give you a guitar or did he just sort of pat you on the back and say hey wills you should be playing guitar uh no it was more um i used to um i used to go and hang out at the house and um okay uh, and i used to go and play the drums and um, that's what I used to like to do. I used to put on ZZ Top and um, and and play the drums. And um, and I think that one morning, you know, I was playing the drums at like you know six in the morning or whatever. And, <laughs> and uh, I mean, a lot of the time, you know, he he wasn't there. He'd be away on tour. You know, I'd be there. You know, just um, running around staying with my auntie paddy or whatever anyway this time he was there i was bashing away on the drums and you know he came down um and was like you know you you really need to play a proper musical instrument so i'm um, you know i tell this story it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek i mean i think really he just wanted me to shut the fuck up you know um, well at least he didn't ask you to play bass i mean you know <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Uh, all the women, don't they? Don't bass players get all the girls on the road? Yeah, you know. No, they don't. <laughs> um, it's a myth. It's a myth. You know, uh, go ahead and finish that story. So, so he said, play bass or not play bass, but he said, play a no, real he said, instrument. He said, you know, why don't you why don't you play a proper musical instrument? You know, and and you know, sort of nodded towards one of the electric guitars to. Um, uh, you know, which was which was sitting on the on the sofa because obviously you know it wasn't plugged in, and uh, you know he could go back upstairs and get some get some sleep. And um, but I, you know, I took that as you know just you know, a, a, a you know clear direction to right forget the drums, you know, and uh, and play guitar. So I did. I picked it up and. Um, and 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 got quite serious about it from from then on you know i took i took it as a as a um you know a, a quite clear direction not right. that this um and uh, you know did he, and, did he give you lessons though no he didn't okay. give me lessons but he did show me um you know after i'd had a good go at it and sort of you know figured a few bits out you know he showed me he showed me the opening riff of crossroads which uh, which i learned and then uh you know uh, and then i wanted to know the next bit and i came back to him and said okay well i've got this bit down how does the next bit go and he was like well you've got to figure that bit out on your own which you know once again you know it's 50 50 between is that you know just hey go on kid beat it i'm busy now Right. Or, or, or is it? Look, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the path of uh, <laughs> of uh, fame and uh, fame and fortune. Let me ask you both of this, because you grew up in very different households than I did. I didn't have, you know, Gene Simmons walking around in the in the backyard. 
No, nor did I. Nor did you. But, but <laughs> what was that experience like to have, you know, whatever, the guys from Free or Cinderella or Michael Schenker group walking around the house? And, and for you, what was it like growing up in the Cream household and having those guys, Jack Bruce? And, and I mean, was it, was it strange? Was it just like, that's how it is? I mean... Well, I mean, it's just people ask me that all the time. And it's yeah. like, we don't know any different, do you? you just, of course. You grow up. I mean, I'd go to people's houses and go, why, why are your walls all white? And where are your gold discs? Because I had every wall with a different color, you know. Um, right. But it was, it was like gold discs on the wall were normal. I mean, me and my sister used to count the tracks and go, well, the, it says there's five tracks, but there's only four tracks on the record. So this is a wrong. This is a lie. That's not the real record in there. Mm -hmm. um, but that's just, you know, that's just normal for, right. you know, for, for us. Because, it's, you know, that's why when I meet these people all the time, it's just like they're just normal people to me. I don't have any fame. I don't understand the fame thing for people. When I meet someone who's Roger Waters or Ronnie Wood or whoever I met, you know, they're just, that's normal people. They're just, yeah. hey, how you doing? Well, you know, that having interviewed a lot of rock stars, you do get that sense that we're all sort of just the same. The only difference is that wow. Wills can get Eric, Eric Clapton on the phone tonight if he wanted to. I would have to jump through 87 gatekeepers to try to get a four-minute interview. I mean, you know, that, that's the only sort of difference. Um let me ask you this, and I'll go back to you for a second, Wills. When all those bands were recording with your dad, were you there, in there? Did you get to be in the studio and, and hear the sounds and go, ooh, I like what this guy's doing. I'm going to have to remember that for myself. You know what? The, the simple answer is no. Um, Dang. You know, when I, I want was... Van Halen stories, damn it. <laughs> well, you know, I've got a Van Halen story, actually, oh. so... Yeah, yeah, one day, one, the, the, the Wolfgang had just been, just come out, the Wolfgang guitar. And um, so Andy, um, Andy took me over to 5150 to Eddie's house. And um, we go into the studio and there in the middle of the room is this white Wolfgang guitar. And Eddie says, yeah, this is the new guitar, Will. Why don't you check it out? So I, you know, pick it up and I'm having a little play on it. And I'm like, wow, it's amazing, Eddie. It's, it's, it's incredible. And then he goes, so what color do you like? Now, you know, I'm, I'm only just a, 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 a stupid English boy, you know, and I just didn't get it. I mean, I was just, I was young. I was foolish. I was supposed to say, well, of course, Eddie, I like white. Because I had the fucking guitar in my hand, didn't I? You know, of course. If I'd have said I like white, I would have walked out with the brand new white Wolfgang that was in my hand. Anyway, so dick like I am, I say, oh, I like black. <laughs> and he said, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> And um, yeah, anyway, I've got a purple Wolfgang now, so, yeah. you know. Hey, and by the way, speaking of bass players and Wolfgang, you should invite him to come jam with you folks, because that would be a, that'd be a hell of a power trio. That would be great. That would so be great. Wolfgang, if you're watching this, yeah. come and step up, brother. We're waiting yeah. for you. By the way, that kid, or well, that not kid, but, you know, Wolfgang, 
he is talented as all. He's he's super talented. Anyway, uh, when we're playing uh, Wolfgang, yeah, twenty maybe. Uh, I believe he's I believe he's twenty four, twenty two. Anyway, he's yeah, early twenties. Well, he's old enough. Come on, Wolfgang. Come on, Wolfie. Yeah, I mean, he just he just did a whole tour opening for Guns N' Roses. I mean, the kid's got it going on. Um, when we're playing Disraeli Gears in full, do you sit there and study the album and say, we got to make these sounds and we got to bring in these, you know, pro tool elements to make sure that it... Or is it a loose interpretation of Disraeli Gears? It's definitely a, a, a loose interpretation, isn't it, Kofi? Well, yeah, I mean, it's like Cream played it differently every time. If you saw Cream live, they didn't play anything like the studio record. I mean, my dad told me throughout my entire life, if I played the song the same way twice, I would be very angry. Uh, not in those nice words, a bit more colorful mm-hmm. words. but um, And that's kind of the approach I've always done. I play a song differently every night. Um, you know, you play the certain things that you need for the song to be the song, but you approach it in how you feel that night. Yeah. You know, like, uh, like the guy in UFO said, you have signposts that you got to reach, but other than that, you build around it. Right. That's it. Exactly. And, and by the way, I, I, that's what I loved about live shows, especially in the seventies and eighties when I was going to them is that you could go see whoever cheap trick or, or kiss or, or Aerosmith five nights in a row and you had five different shows now because of the grid and the pro tools and the this you get the same bloody show there was there was one band and And i'm not going to tell you go ahead i'm just going to say that's why nowadays it's all about the visual it's all about what they're doing visually like in the old days you'd go to a concert you could close your eyes and just get into it Mm -hmm. Uh, nowadays it's not like that it's all about the visual and it's all about putting your phone up and visual and hey you know because the music sucks. Well, the right? music's secondary. And we've gone from yeah. concerts to now shows. We go to shows now. We don't go to concerts anymore. Right? right? But and, and there was one band, and I'm not going to tell you the name, but I went to see them three nights in a row. They did Montreal, Ottawa, and Quebec. And at 9, blackout, and then the song started. And at 10.51, and every night it was... Yeah. I have a feeling it wasn't very live. <laughs> No, it was probably all done to a click and all probably sequenced and everything. Yep. Um, seeing that you're that you do allow yourself to have those moments and change it up, are you worried about the visual? Is is the show lesser because you're you're just focused on jamming rather than? Okay, tell me about that. We have the whole psychedelic thing going on. Normally, nice. I don't know what the next tour is going to be like, but we have. I wear like all this nice clothes. I like psychedelic stuff. Um, See what I so, got. you know, we have the light show. And, I got George yeah, Thurgood. Go. <laughs> yeah. But we have we have all the lights going on, and, and uh, you know, you can watch me and Will attack each other on stage and stuff, you know, all that fun stuff. Yeah, we have a kind of a thing going on where it's all it's all very clever with smoke and mirrors and you know i come out on the motorbike in my zorro outfit and the the hoop of fire and stuff and ring then, of fire you need a ring of fire it's very important yeah well yeah, we do that after the show when we go get back from the curry house you know especially when we're on tour in the in the uk we have a good old vindaloo that's another story 
the you know, best bit, Will, is when my kit spins and you try to grab it and then you get flung into the audience. That part <laughs> is, is the best part every night because you never know where he's going to land. No, you don't. That's it. <laughs> That's okay. right. Listen, right by your venue where you're playing in Montreal is a restaurant called the Atma, A-T-M-A. It is the best Indian restaurant you will ever eat at. So just remember that. Um, well, let's do that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're, I'm we'll telling you, you're, you are not going to be disappointed. Um, in terms of uh, after you've done this, are you going to make like a live album out of this? Is there are there is there plans to make this available to fans afterwards? A, a memento? I think we record. We yeah. record every show, I think. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's what we tend to do. Is we tend to re- re- record the shows. Um, um, that's what we started to do on the on the last tour. We had a couple of um, you know. A couple of shows that were really good, and uh, we were going to do um, do exactly that. And um, for one reason or another, you know, it didn't happen. And we're looking forward to doing that again. You know, once we uh, once we get once we get back on the road, you know, we've got a, a great team around us that um, that really know what they're doing. And uh, so I would imagine that once we've um, you know, once we've done a couple of shows, we start compiling those bits and pieces. And quite often we do the recordings and, and, and make them available, the downloads straight away after the show, you know, oh, that's great. those that want to get them. But um, I'd imagine we'll, we'll wait until we've got a few gigs um, and, and um, let off some fireworks on stage. In the Zorro outfit. In the Zorro yeah. outfit, of course. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Kofi has a very cunning Batman outfit that he likes to wear back to front, but that's another story. Um, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Let, let me put this to both of you. Uh, I've listened to Howard Stern for many years, and he swears by Disraeli Gears. He says it is the greatest album of all times. What's your take on it? Do you, do you just play it because it's a nice tribute, or are you in love with it? And why do you think it's been so important and has had this longevity? And I'll start with Kofi. Well, again, it was they were doing stuff out of the box. They were making it up as they went along, and they were there weren't any barriers. Like nowadays, music is it has to be in a certain box, or people mm-hmm. are like, "What? What's this?" There's no back in those days. Everything was all experimentation, and that album was one of to me was one of the the best albums of showing that that you know experimentation of music and coming up with new ideas and new it's just very revolutionary album i think yeah um and that's that's what i think is the difference and that's why i think that stuff stands the test of time like none other stuff does because it was so innovative for you know doing stuff like you know sunshine my dad's back was drumbeat you know five four bleros in pop music and and my dad made because it was his band he put the band together right and it was his, his you know thing to to actually be a bit more commercial because jack and my dad were jazz and they got eric in his blues guy and it was like you know he's got like two kids and i'm on the way at that point so it's like they've got to make some money so they actually made a conscious effort to to appeal bring you know the experimental jazz fusion thing into the popular market and that's what i think they did i mean i don't mm-hmm. think anybody's 
I mean, Rush kind of brought the experimental music into pop a little bit. You know, they were kind of the next band that kind of changed it up a little bit. But, you know, a lot of bands have done that. But that was that's why that album is so great, because it was it was just so innovative. And I love playing it. I love playing that music. I, I write. I've been doing original music my whole life. I didn't right. do the cream stuff until 10, 15 years ago, I started doing it. And I just got more and more into it. Now I'm kind of pretty much, you know, I promised my dad on his death, deathbed that I would keep his legacy going. And that's kind of my vision now is just to keep that going. And that album, I think, is, is just such a great album. Yeah, so it I really love is. playing it. And and you're right. We Such a great time back then between Cream and Genesis and Rush. There was just this great experimentation but actually at the same time hitting into the mainstream so that more people could right. tap into it it was it, it was brilliant and uh wills for you uh, playing this and 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 playing your uncle's riffs and stuff talk to me about that and and why was it so important to to say yeah you know what we got to keep this album alive we got to keep it going oh i just do what i'm told to do you know <laughs> well that's a smart yeah. thing and and the the Clapton classes that you do, do you sing those as well? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's it's just it's great music, you know, and it's 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 in our blood, and so you know, how do you put it? It's just it it's kind of it's an honor, but it's also natural for us to do it. It's without putting too fine a point on it, it's kind of supernatural. Um, yeah. And I think that we do a pretty good job of of honouring the spirit of the music as well. I mean, I, I think that I can, you know, most particularly for myself, and I think it's the same for Kofi, you know, we touched on it slightly before. You know, when the show starts, something, something else takes over, you know, um, and we're almost like a conduit. That's the drugs. That's the drugs. It must be the drugs. But kicking in, you know. <laughs> I'm still looking for you two to do the uh, Van Halen for Unlawful uh, Carnal Knowledge tour uh, next year, because that, you know, the best of, the best of Andy Johns would 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 really uh, set the world. Actually, <laughs> jokes aside, that probably would be very popular, given all the people he's worked with. Um, then the last question. In terms of original music, is that something that, because now, Will, you just had an album come out, but is that something that you still want to do, or are you just sort of happy doing this and, and making a lot of people happy? Yeah, you know, I'm working on uh, on my next album of, of completely originals. My latest album actually was Blues Daddy, which is which just had one original, the title track, Blues Daddy, which you can check out. And all the rest of them were just blues classics, you know, um, Hoochie Coochie Man, I Just Want to Make Love to You. Um, Every Day I Have the Blues, you know, you know, those are the kind of songs that um, wherever I'd go in the world, um, other musicians, whether it be in Moscow or Czech Republic or America or you know, Scunthorpe or Manchester, you know, everybody knows those songs and it's one, two, three, four, and off you fucking go. Yeah, um, we like that stuff. Hey, but, um, completely the opposite. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've done fusion my whole, jazz and fusion my whole life. 
You know, he did all the own records with Chris Poland, did the Jonas Helborg Abstract Logic with Sean Lane. Um, I was with Steve Marriott, you know. So I've done all the, I did a lot of original stuff um, all through my life. Tons of albums out there. And I still write, you know, I play keyboards, so I still write stuff. Yep. But it's, it tends to be a little bit more on the fusion side. So, um, you know, Didn't I you do like... Uli John Roth as well? Yeah, I did Uli John Roth. I didn't do any albums with him. Uh, we recorded a bit with Steve Marriott, but I don't know what happened to the stuff that we did. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been kind of like, you know, doing all that stuff all my life. So for me now, after the, you know, my dad died and me promising him what I said, I kind of feel like my life is really now to honor my dad's music. Mm. And as my dad's music is just so people know it, I just... I kind of do. I mean, me and Will are going to write an original album. We're actually writing one right now. Right. Uh, so we we do that. Um, Will's just more into doing his blue stuff and doesn't want to play my fusion riff. But um... <laughs> <laughs> what a troublemaker! <laughs> telling you. But uh, hey, call up Jason Bonham. Do a Led Zeppelin cream uh, evening with fans will be happy. I mean, us old folks love that stuff. So keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm uh, old now too, you know. Yeah, I know. We got a bunch of stuff going on, Mitch. You know, like Kofi says, we're you know we're working on original material. You know, we're also, you know, constantly thinking of ways to 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 make the show, you know, improve the show, make it more engaging. You know, actually, it's quite um, it's quite spectacular. The because it is a show, you know, we have the we have the big screen behind us. We we have an incredible lighting director who not only does incredible light and creates just a, a real amazing vibe um but there's um you know there's some real structure to the show and it you know it kind of zooms in and focuses on kofi and his stories uh about the drugs about you know about the rooms the the, the gold records the you know the experiences yeah we tell stories uh, yeah. We tell stories and then, you know, and then boom. And it sort of, you know, it sort of comes in and out of focus from the artist to the band to the big screen. You know, it's quite incredible, actually, how it all works. So, yeah, you know, to... I've got my to, dad behind me when I do my drum solo, right? And for some reason, my dad plays everything I play. I mean, he ripped all, all my rips off, all my riffs. So it's just, you know, it's just like he's yeah, copying it, everything I play. It's quite amazing watching, yeah, watching Ginger miming to Kofi playing. It's quite yeah. cool. It's quite a, it's quite a thing. It's a, a, a flip here, a flip here for real. Uh, the uh, the uh, the let me just remind the folks uh, the uh, the tickets are on sale now. You head over to musicofcream.com, musicofcream.com, or facebook.com/musicofcream, and enjoy the. I guess this is the fifty fourth anniversary tour of yeah. Disraeli Gears, and of course uh, Clapton Classics. And uh, there you go. I mean, uh, I'm oh, looking forward to. Awesome. Two shows in my neighborhood, so let's let's do it. Yeah, after you know? two years of being on a hiatus, this will be fun. Yeah, and in fact, do, do any of you want to just quickly talk about the the COVID thing? I try to avoid that in interviews, but I, uh, your uncle has been particularly yeah. vocal about that. 
people people don't understand that all the entertainment business, all the yeah. ODs, all the sound people, all the people working in the, the theatres, all those people got highly affected because yes. the music business shut down. Yeah. Everybody has started doing it on their phones and doing it in their basements. And and it just it's really a lot of club owners have gone out of business. Uh, a lot of people have lost their... I mean, the music business got really... And that was what Eric was saying. Eric was basically saying, you know, I've had enough. Right. I want to get back to music. Um, right. You know, so I think that's what it's about more. It's just, you know, we want to get... We want to play. We don't care anymore. We just yeah. want to play and, and entertain because it's in your blood. Well, you and I also it. think uh, I, I think fans forget about the behind the scenes. They go, "Oh, you know, Gene Simmons has enough cash. Well, fuck him. He can stay home." It's like, yeah, but the bus driver doesn't. The merch yeah. girl doesn't. The... And, and you think about like those bands that have backing musicians, yeah. like Sting or someone like that who's not touring, or the Rolling Stones now that have you know a backing bass player, a backing that all those those people that are doing the backing musicians, they're they're not rich. No. They're just working paycheck to paycheck, and they suddenly they get all their paychecks taken away, and, and have to try and find another job. Yeah. And then, well, they, with musicians, people don't understand. You have to practice. You have to keep it up. If you stop playing for a couple of years, you're not you're going to be useless when you get back on stage. Listen, so, uh, one yeah. one of the most famous tour managers that for one of the big bands, one of the big sort of bands from the seventies, during COVID was working working at a garden center because he had to pay the bills. Exactly. People seem to forget so, you know. that. Anyway, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, great pleasure. Uh, Will, pleasure to meet you for the first time. Kofi, always a pleasure. Uh, let's do this anytime you need, and maybe we'll do another one just before you head out to uh, Canada That's in June. Yeah. Nice one, Mitch. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, I always love chatting. Thank you, boys. Have a good night. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. All right, perfect. Let me hear.